The survivors cut the flesh off the dead amid much torment and soul-searching, and laying the thin strips of frozen flesh aside on a piece of sheet metal, each of them finally consumed their piece when they could bear to. This is what one of the survivors of one of the most unbelievable survival stories told many years after it happened. Today he's a doctor, but back then he was just a med student and rugby player on his way to a tournament. While flying over the Andes in bitter cold weather, the plane he and 44 other passengers were flying in crashed into the mountains. And this is where our story begins. Welcome to the Mysteries of Latin America podcast, where we tell the whole world about the myths, legends, and mysteries that happen in North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast wherever you're streaming it today. My name is Andrew Colon, and in this episode, I tell a story that stayed with me ever since I was a little kid and first heard of it. It all started on October 12, 1972, when the Uruguayan Old Christians rugby team set out on a chartered flight from Montevideo, Uruguay, to Santiago, Chile. The team was excited as they, along with family members and friends, boarded the Fairchild FH-227D aircraft. Their destination was a friendly match in Chile, a journey that should have been routine and uneventful. But nature had other plans. Unexpected turbulence led to a tragic crash in the heart of the Andes Mountains, leaving the survivors stranded at an altitude of over 12,000 feet, a little over 3,600 meters. The wreckage of that plane became both a shelter for those who managed to escape the initial impact and a tomb for those who didn't. Upon impact, the passengers faced immediate challenges, including tending to those who had serious injuries, limited resources, and extreme cold. With no immediate rescue in sight, the survivors had to ration what little supplies they had, including chocolate, wine, and a little bit of food that remained from the plane's provisions. They faced a cruel reality, a desolate, frozen wilderness stretching as far as the eye could see. There were 33 initial survivors, and then an avalanche and starvation claimed more lives one by one. The harsh conditions of the Andes made any hope of rescue seem increasingly distant. Despite the harsh conditions, some members of the group set out on foot in search of help. However, the vast and treacherous terrain impeded their progress, leading them to reconsider their strategy and turn back. Despite the odds stacked against them, the group clung to life amidst the wreckage. Days turned into weeks, and the initial optimism that they had started to wane. The biting cold lack of food and the constant threat of avalanches tested the survivors physically and mentally. It wasn't just a fight against the elements, but it was a fight against despair itself. With little food remaining and the hopes of rescue fading, the survivors faced a dilemma that would force them to confront the darkest corners of human instinct. As the weeks went on, it became apparent that the only way to stay alive was to make a horrifying choice. To consume the flesh of the deceased. To eat the dead. This decision to resort to cannibalism wasn't made lightly. It was a last resort, driven by the primal instinct for self-preservation. The survivors all grappled with the moral and ethical implications of their actions, knowing that the world beyond the Andes would likely condemn them 
for the unthinkable choice they found themselves forced to make. In the face of this unimaginable hardship, the survivors formed a pact to support one another and face the challenges together. They understood that unity was their greatest strength, and together they formed a bond that would prove unbreakable. The moral dilemma of cannibalism became a shared burden, a grim reality that strengthened their resolve to survive. Those weeks became months. The survivors clung to life with a tenacity that defied reason. Their diet consisted of meager portions of charred human flesh, the only sustenance available in that unforgiving wilderness. As the world outside the Andes started losing hope for the missing rugby team, a glimmer of optimism emerged. In December, more than two months after the crash, two of the survivors, Roberto Canesa and Fernando Parrado, embarked on a treacherous journey through the mountains to go seek help. They were armed with nothing but determination, and they trekked through the mountains for days and finally encountered a Chilean shepherd. After dealing in so much pain, grief, moral and mental anguish, this was the break they needed. Finally, on December 20th, 1972, after 72 days of unimaginable hardship, rescue helicopters descended upon the snow-covered wreckage. The survivors, who had endured the harshest conditions and faced the darkest corners of human experience, were at last brought back to civilization. The world watched in awe as the emaciated, frostbitten survivors emerged from the mountainous wilderness. Their story of survival, sacrifice, and the indomitable human spirit became an inspiration to millions. The rescue marked not only the end of their physical ordeal, but also the beginning of a lifelong journey of healing and coming to term with the choices they had been forced to make. The aftermath of the Andes plane crash left an indelible mark on the survivors. The world grappled with the ethical implications of their actions, debating whether the choice to resort to cannibalism was justified in the face of certain death. The survivors, however, maintained that it was a choice born out of necessity, a testament to the lengths that we as humans will go to to endure. In the years that followed, the members of the Uruguayan rugby team faced both scrutiny and admiration. Some struggled with the trauma of their experience, while others became advocates for the power of human resilience. The story of their survival has become a symbol of hope and the triumph of the human spirit over seemingly insurmountable challenges. Today, Dr. Roberto Canesa, one of the two team members who trekked for days and found that shepherd, has been revisiting that pivotal time in his life. Canesa remembered the crash in which 16 of 45 passengers and crew members stayed alive in freezing conditions by eating the dead, according to a Today Show interview. He said, I thought I was going to die. The segment was partially spurred by Society of the Snow, a thriller about the harrowing disaster that's set to stream on Netflix starting December 15th in the US. When he saw the film, Ganesa said, I was immersed in that place again. I was back to the fuselage. Ganesa was a 19-year-old medical student when his plane crashed and said this, about his decision to eat the dead. I thought if I would die, I would be proud that my body would be used for someone else. 
Ganesa also said that something his mother told him long before the crash helped save him as he faced almost certain death up there on that mountain. It was when he and his mother visited the mother of a friend who had recently died, and his friend's mother was absolutely devastated. Ganesa's mother then said to him, if one of my children died, I couldn't make it through life. I would die of sadness. Roberto said he had to go back and tell his mother, don't cry, mama, I'm alive. Today, Canessa is a pediatric cardiologist, and he still keeps in touch with other survivors from the crash. And while he doesn't have any tips for surviving a plane crash, he does have this message. You shouldn't wait for your plane to fall to enjoy and be grateful for life. When we're faced with life and death situations, the things we thought were important suddenly aren't. That's how, at least I think, how us humans have been able to adapt and overcome to get us where we are today. We can be a lot of things, but we're survivors. The things we have to do to survive can leave deep scars, but those scars can remind us that we might just be a little stronger and a little more resilient than we think we are. Friends, I thank you for spending some time with us here on the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. We'll have another episode for you next week, bringing the myths, legends, and mysteries of Latin America for the whole world. I'm Andrew Colon. Adios. Thank you.